0: Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear how you can access
1: the full interview and get related links. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Tim. And like Tim said, I'm Carrie McCoy and it's time for me to get up in your business. For the next hour, my guest, Little Rock, Arkansas's police chief, Mr. Kenton Buckner, and I will be getting up in the business of law enforcement. It was easy to make a list of topics that Chief Buckner could talk about. There are so many, and we won't get to all of them. Some of them are, let's see what he thinks about this, crime in Little Rock, Arkansas, and really America, gun control, parenting our youth, that's my favorite, crime prevention, homelessness, overcrowding in jails, challenges of our courts and convictions, lack of witness participation in solving crimes, medical marijuana marijuana and what it means to our city, profiling and Black Lives Matter, PTSD in our law enforcement officers, the media's mentality of if it bleeds, it leads, what to do in case you're assaulted, what businesses can do to help, and how to get started in a law enforcement career. Of course, we'll not have time for all of these topics, so we'll let the chief and our listeners guide the conversation. We hope through our storytelling of how we maneuvered the path of leadership that you will learn something, want to get involved, or be inspired to take action in your own life and will be an- and will be answering questions via phone and email. For me, it began over 40 years ago when I founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, Arkansas Flag and Banner has grown and morphed from door-to-door sales to telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales and now relies heavily on the internet. Each change in sales strategy required a change in company thinking and procedures. My confidence, leadership knowledge, and my company grew. My initial $400 investment now produces nearly $4 million in annual sales. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between me and my guests about real-world excuse me experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that i hope you'll find interesting starting and running a business or organization is like so many things it takes persistence perseverance and patience i worked part-time jobs for nine years before arkansas flag and banner grew enough to support just me it's now grown so much that to operate efficiently we require 10 departments and 25 people to maintain them thus reminding us all again that small businesses are not only the fuel of our economic engine, but also impact and empower people's lives. Before we start, I want to introduce you to the people at the table. We have my technician, Tim, who'll be running the board and taking calls. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. It's good to be back. It's nice to have you back. John did a good job while you were gone, though. My guest today is Police Chief Kenton Buckner who on June 30th, 2014, became the 35th Chief of Police for the city of Little Rock, Arkansas. Anybody who ever thought they could outsmart a cop needs to think again. Chief Buckner has a bachelor's degree in police administration and a master's in safety, security, and emergency management from Eastern Kentucky University. He is a graduate of the National Executive Institute, sponsored by the FBI, the administrative officer's course, sponsored by the Southern Police Institute, Chief Executive Officer mentoring program at Cedarville College, and the senior executive course in state and local government sponsored by the Harvard Kennedy School. It was 1993 in Louisville, Kentucky, that Buckner began his career as a police officer rising to sergeant, lieutenant, major, and in 2011 he became their assistant chief of police where he oversaw the support bureau responsible for major crimes, narcotics intelligence, and special operations. He is a member of the International Association of Chiefs of Police, the Arkansas Police Chiefs Association, National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, and the Police Executive Research Forum. He has also been involved with Big Brother and Big Sisters, a great organization. Under his jurisdiction, our Little Rock Law Enforcement Agency was awarded the highly coveted Gold Standard Assessment in Public Safety. Chief, how do you say this? C-A-L-E-A? Calea. Calia, And this very year, our own Chief Buckner was appointed to serve as its commissioner. It is a thrill and honor to welcome to the table Little Rock's 35th Chief of Police and our overachieving Kenton Buckner.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: You are huge. How tall are you? 6'4". Yeah, our listeners need to know you're 6'4". And I'm not going to ask you how much you weigh, but you are a force to be reckoned with. Your aura is huge. Your confidence is huge. You're a no-nonsense kind of guy. I know that everybody, I've been really excited about having this interview with you because I've seen you on TV all the time and I've never met you but every time I told people I talked about it this week that I was going to be interviewing you they always want to talk about crime in Little Rock and we're going to talk about that Mm -hmm. but I'm a woman I want to know what it's like the human interest part of what it's like for your family for your kids to be a police officer and to never really be off the job can you speak to the personal sacrifices? Well,
0: my, uh, my family accepted uh, long ago that, um, you know, my, my chosen profession of being in law enforcement was something that I wanted to do. I, I knew that at a very young age. Um, was, grew up with a single parent, uh, my sister and I and uh, my mother. Uh, the very little bit that I knew about my biological father one of the things was is that he was an MP in the military and uh, got out of the military and then was a police officer in Louisiana so that kind of became kind of the genesis of my inspiration of wanting to be a cop so I've known that for a very very long time Uh, although friends uh, more so than family would ask you know why would you want to do that it's not a very popular profession uh, in the african-american community uh, but everyone that uh, that's in my inner circle has always supported that
1: it's a it seems like one of the hardest jobs there is you're like everybody needs you but nobody wants you
0: well our job is tough uh, it, it, it grows tougher by the day uh, it's even more so uh, difficult because there are so many issues Uh, that impact our community that that people want to dump at the doorstep of police, Uh, when in fact we're asked to deal with the symptoms of many of these broken systems uh, that have not performed uh, to the level of most of our citizens' expectations. And that's the frustrating part. But uh, we certainly understand that we have a significant uh, responsibility in, in public safety, but we just want to make sure that everyone understands that if you expect the police to do it alone, you're probably going to be deeply disappointed.
1: I heard you say, this is the first time I really, you know, fell in love with your persona, was that you were on TV and a young mother was standing in her driveway holding her two-year-old son at three o'clock, two or three o'clock in the afternoon, and um, a young 14 or 15-year-old man came up and shot her for the $20 in her purse. And you said, I'll never forget this, I was walking by the TV and you said, police cannot do, it cannot be, parents where is you know cannot be the parents where was this young man's why was he not in school why did he have a gun where were his parents and I just thought that was so brave of you to say that
0: well uh, you know folks that have seen me uh, speak publicly uh, I'm a a proponent of uncomfortable conversations I, I believe that they serve as barriers between status quo uh, and progress i think that we all have to individually and collectively look in the mirror to see what our contributions and responsibilities are for the problems that we face and i think that far too seldom uh, families uh, starting with the households are not doing their jobs and we can place a lot of be- blame in a lot of other places as well uh, government Uh, school systems, uh, the the church, uh, and they all uh, have a a collective responsibility as well. But uh, I I think it starts in the four corners of of your house. And when we have that system broken, uh, very few of those kids are going to be able to reach their full potential.
1: How can you fix that?
0: Well, I can't, uh, and I've been very candid about the fact that I can't fix that. Uh, I think that I can make contributions to that as a chief of police with a uh, police department to try to have uh, constructive contact with young people to try to change the trajectory uh, of their lives. Uh, But that starts, again, with looking in the mirror. Uh, and and I, I believe that you know, that we certainly need to help those who are in need, because there are certainly people who uh, don't have as much as others, and, and we have a responsibility as a society to help those individuals. But, the, but first, those individuals have to take responsibility for, the, for their actions. Uh, again, we can point a lot of fingers at a lot of different places, but, but some of those fingers need to be back to the individual who made bad decisions.
1: Are you ever off the clock? Never. When you were late, I want to tell all the listeners that we started the show a little late, because you were late. And I thought... Well, I was in here before 2 o'clock. Oh, you were? I was in here right at about 1.59 or so. <laughs> okay, 1.59. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, he's never off the clock. Who knows what's happened in your life? Your phone can ring at any time to do anything.
0: It rings too much, and but uh, I tell people that I don't complain about the fruit uh, of, of my labor. And uh, I knew what I was signing up uh, for when I said I wanted to be the chief of police of Little Rock.
1: And you had offers elsewhere.
0: Uh, I was in three different processes. Uh, I made the finals for all three processes. I was a finalist at Newport News. Uh, And at the time that I received the job in Little Rock, I was a finalist that was about to be named in Grand Rapids, Michigan.
1: I'm glad you decided to come to Little Rock. Everybody that I told you were coming on the show asked me about to ask you about crime in Little Rock. Surprisingly enough, most people think that we're in the top 10% of the highest places for crime, and I, including me, I Googled it, we're not even in the top 30.
0: Well, the, the comparisons that uh, Little Rock is, is most notably for uh, are the, when you see mid-sized cities, which is defined as citizen, uh, cities with 200,000 citizens or less. For those categories, uh, we, we stay uh, in that top 10 uh, of cities and, and sometimes in the top 5. What do that. you mean? Well, the, with comparable cities, uh, for example, the other cities that have that, that uh, size of, of the community, uh, Rockford, Illinois is, is one of our comparable cities. And for mid sized cities, our crime uh, is very high. Uh, and, so you mean percentage-wise? Percentage-wise, uh, in compared to, to other cities. <laughs> now, if you're looking at us in, in comparison to Chicago or Detroit, or some of these other cities, there's no comparison because of, there's a, a, a vast difference between the size of the population. But if you go with comparable cities, we're usually in the thick of things and have been there for decades. Uh, I think that the the, the the issue with that is that that, that socio cocktail of, of poverty, Um, low academic achievement, single parent homes, absentee father, mental illness, substance abuse, uh, teenage pregnancy, um, strained relationships with police and black and brown communities. All of those things are kind of uh, at the root of many of these issues that we see play out in our community. While we certainly get a lot of recognition for our violent crime, as as we should when you you look at the victims that are attached to that, 80% of the crime in our city is actually property crime. So, uh, so for the past, uh, Three years, we've had a total uh, that there was sub-17,000 total reported offenses combining both property and violent crime, which is, which is good for us. But we've certainly seen that over the past few years, our violent crime continues to go up like other urban communities uh, across the country. And usually when you hear people use the word urban community, it's a very politically correct way of, of saying large, dense populations of black and brown uh, people, and we are a majority-minority uh, city. Forty-two uh, percent African American and nearly seven percent Hispanic make us majority black and uh, black and brown for our city. And when you have that, uh, when you have those kind of percentages, many of them are going to be living in the conditions uh, that I mentioned earlier, which in many cities results in high crime. So that's why you see me respectfully push back on some of the things that people want the police to try to do because there are so many things that are in the crime numbers that I have no resources to be able to address.
1: I had no idea, and one that, that, uh, of our percentages, you keep all these numbers in your head really well, um, and you, one thing you didn't mention specifically is because of our, um, what you call, black-brown
0: Relationship. relationships,
1: mm-hmm. that's typically lower income, which is maybe why we have more property
0: well, pro- property crime is just a, uh, it's a crime of opportunity. And uh, we don't do a good job as a community of protecting ourselves against that. For example, you can go on any parking lot, any neighborhood, and find vehicles unlocked, uh, valuables in plain view. Uh, and those create opportunities, particularly in West Little Rock, where, where the, uh, a significant percentage of our property crimes occurs because there are a lot of soft targets there. People have higher qualities of life, so they become a little more laxed uh, in their security measures that they take for their personal property, which makes them open to being a victim of of a property crime. Violent crime in our city, uh, for the most part, and and there are certainly uh, extreme examples when you think about Asin King and Ramire Reed, the two and three-year-old that were killed uh, during shootouts uh, uh, amongst uh, uh, individual uh, uh, gang members. Uh, So so those catch our attention, but most of the the violent crime in in our city are pre-existing relationships with individuals who are in conflict or some type of crime that was occurring like a drug deal that goes wrong or a robbery of, of, of someone uh, that, that uh, goes wrong. So j- just to say that a normal citizen is going to be a victim of violent crime in our city is is just not true. It's usually some of the decisions that you're making and the people that you're hanging out with and the lifestyle that they have that will raise your risk of being the victim of that type of crime.
1: Unless it's a random act. And then and, in
0: and those cases occur. When you look at uh, Miss Shirley Jackson, uh, the young lady who uh, owned her own daycare, who happened to be across the street from a house where there was a shootout and a bullet went through uh, her home and actually killed her uh, at a time when she had a house full of babies in her home that she was running a in-house daycare. So I'm, I'm certainly not saying that there are not some cases to where true innocent people are killed, but for the most part, many of these individuals are engaged in criminal activity when they die.
1: And they're just bystanders. They weren't premeditated to go kill them.
0: This is correct.
1: The killing of Ann Jansen years and years ago. Was it Ann Jansen? not Ann? Uh, is it the
0: news report? Yeah,
1: what was her name
0: I can't remember her name but I'm well aware of the story it happened uh, before I got here. that's an exception those kinds of cases are exceptions and uh, but but they do happen uh, in larger communities of course everyone knows we're the largest city in the state so we we have challenges that some of our neighbors you know don't have to deal with
1: how many policemen do you have on
0: Um, my authorized strength is 593 Uh, we just hired uh, 27 individuals that, that started this week on Monday so whatever that 80 is minus that uh, we had 80 vacancies before that, so the 27 minus that, and then uh, we'll have another class coming up in November of about 40 to 45 individuals. So I'm hoping it to get it under 40 uh, before the end of the year uh, for for our vacancies.
1: What do you think is your biggest challenge?
0: Well, I'll ask you a question. That right. uh, if your son, daughter, niece, or nephew, 21, 23 years of age, uh, were to come home and and say to you uh you know uh, I, i'm thinking about joining the low rock police department i can tell you that uh, a significant percentage of people will attempt to talk that individual out of that uh, because of the dangers in the job so that's my struggle uh, uh, this is a very challenging profession it's a dangerous profession um, some people will certainly support their uh, loved ones uh, ambition to do that but many people frown upon taking on that kind of responsibility it's not for everyone which is why it's so difficult for us to find those individuals who are willing to put their lives on the line for, for the safety of others.
1: That's exactly what General Wesley Clark said a few weeks ago when he was on. He said that a lot of good people don't sign up for the military even though he thinks it's a wonderful, honorable mm-hmm. profession because you go in and you tell your parents and they try to talk you out of it That's because right. of their fear of That's something right. happening to you and they don't want to lose their child.
0: It's like a, like a rehab center. Every, everyone thinks that the, you know a rehab center is, is a great thing to help those individuals who are addicted as long as it's not down the street from my home.
1: That's right. I feel that way. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm sorry to say that, but I'm probably one of those. So here's a list Mm -hmm. of the stuff we're talking about. Uh, what do you think about gun control? You want gun everybody control. to have a gun?
0: I think that uh, everyone that's legally able to have a gun should have the right to uh, protect themselves and, and bear arms. I think that there are reasonable ways uh, to do that. Uh, I'm not a fan of open carry. I think it unnecessarily causes alarm to the public. I think it con- concealed carry is a responsible way for a legal gun owner to carry a weapon. Uh, it concerns me when I see uh, the, some of the things in, in, in venues that people are allowed to take a gun. Uh, and, and we certainly know that there are about 300 million guns on the streets of the United States. And uh, many, most of the responsible gun owners are not contributing to the problem. It's only the, the criminals who are, are using them illegally. So I think we have enough laws on the books to be able to go after individuals who are, who are illegally possessing weapons. But I do think that some states have gotten a little bit... Uh, Too far to the right in with with this open carry thing. I'm I'm not a big fan of that.
1: Uh, You know, a lot of policemen come into Arkansas flag and banner, and I've asked some of them. They said, you know, if they've got guys with guns there, that are the good guys. I can't tell they're good guys if they're carrying a gun, Mm -hmm. and they've got their gun out, and the bad guy's got his gun out, and the good guy's got his gun out. How do I know which one's the good one and which one's the bad one?
0: Well, you know, and and I've talked about this uh, several different places. Uh, You know, in our state, when we were kind of checking the box of every location that you could take a a weapon legally in our state, one of the venues that was on that uh, initial list was uh, a sporting uh, venue, uh, particularly our, our university football games. So the SEC Mm. found out about that uh, and they weighed in and said that we don't think this is a good idea. So then uh, uh, Common Sense stepped in and said, you know what, we enjoy being in the SEC, and maybe this is not a good idea. Well, I would like that same common sense to be used for a school, uh, for a bar, uh, because I don't think you, you, you need a gun to go in and have a couple of spirits with your with your friends and family uh, uh, to do that. And uh, so, so those kinds of things are some of the things that are frustrating to, uh, to chiefs all across the country.
1: Uh, speaking of bars with guns... What about the shootout on 6th Street a few weeks, a month ago? Well,
0: that was an anomaly that that occurred in our community. There are several things that went wrong uh, with that location. Uh, We were very fortunate that no one died as a result uh, of the action taken by the individuals that were in there. Our police officers did a a great job of responding to that. Uh, There were four or five tourniquets that were applied before Uh, MEMS even arrived on the scene there are a couple of chest seals that were uh, applied to individuals there Uh, so we know that that, the police saved some lives there along with our medical response folks but there there's some things that the city is looking at from an opportunity uh, for improvement standpoint, to be able to try to close some of the gaps uh, that result in anetti. That but event that's a happening.
1: perfect example of not taking guns to bars when you're drinking. It's, it's, a, it's an excellent example. Mm-hmm. Uh, crime prevention. You talked about keeping. You talked about property crime. Mm-hmm. You talked about keeping your uh, your valuables mm-hmm. put we away. Have,
0: we have a program that uh, it's called a vehicle report card, uh, and we use it in areas that have high. Uh, percentages of property crime. And we will go and have our law enforcement officers out on foot in these areas and they will look into people's cars to see if they're locked, to see if there are valuables left in place. And then there's a letter grade assigned to the car that we will leave on the window. If there are no valuables uh, in sight and the car is locked, you'll receive an A. If there are valuables uh, in in plain sight or your vehicle is unlo- unlocked, uh, you will receive an F. I got an and, F and about the other day. 40% of the people that uh, we give that Uh, vehicle report card to actually fail
1: I got an F the other day
0: so you got one
1: I got one we went out to go to church and my granddaughter said look you got you got a ticket on your window and I pulled the ticket off and it graded me and she was like did
0: it say why you got the F
1: I left my doors unlocked I would have never thought I left my doors unlocked Mm
0: -hmm. so it's a very friendly professional way of saying help us help you
1: Well, I have been very conscientious ever since,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and my granddaughter's helping me. Mm -hmm. So you've trained one child.
0: Well, we got that from uh, Arlington, Texas, is is an agency that uh, shared that idea with us.
1: That was was really fun. She really enjoyed it, actually, (laughs) because she goes to school and she gets grades, and she's like, you got an F. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: So homelessness, let's talk about homelessness.
0: Well, homelessness, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, There's a a couple of weeks ago, there were some uh, actions that we took on the 1100 block of... uh, Uh, um, Markham uh, with the um, King of the Throne location where uh, homeless individuals are fed. Many people in our community felt as if we were targeting those individuals unnecessarily or illegally uh, because of their homeless status. Uh, Nothing can be further from the truth. We were there as a result of a number of criminal complaints that we received from the individuals uh, that were committing there, including uh, drugs, prostitution, uh, assaults, uh, nudity, literally uh, uh, individuals walking around nude in the area, having sex over there, while people are trying to run a business in the location. So when we responded there, we also put up cameras to be able to keep an eye and and verify some of these things that we were getting, even though we had a, a pretty good documentation to show that. Uh, homelessness and, and criminal activity uh, are should not be discussed in the same vein uh, because they're two separate uh, conversations. Homelessness, I think that every intelligent person understands and, and respects the fact that our homeless people need assistance, uh, particularly from a shelter standpoint, food, uh, mental uh, help, and, and then also with their addictions. Uh, and everyone, I think, can appreciate that we need to do a better job of addressing that. But we cannot Uh, hold these individuals accountable when they're out committing crimes uh, because someone running a business should not have to come and open their business in the morning and find someone urinating uh, in your doorway. That's just not a good way to run a business. It's not safe for our city, uh, and it makes our citizens feel very uncomfortable.
1: So what should citizens do?
0: I think that citizens should to do what we can to make sure that we're providing services to these individuals. Uh, I think that we need to do a better job of, of making sure that the homeless uh, uh, know where these services are and being able to connect them with them. You can't force people to do that. Uh, but I also think that w- when the, when they're doing things that are against the law, uh, the citizens need to also understand that we have a duty and responsibility to ensure that these individuals are held accountable for that.
1: We have homeless people down by Arkansas flag and banner, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them are mentally ill and some of them are not Mm -hmm. and um, we've had you know a a few of them Bill look Tim's nodding yes everybody knows who Bill is Bill's got some mental health issues and we've had to call the police to come and pick him up and they are wonderful Mm -hmm. they're the ones who told us his name actually the police were like oh it's Bill oh hey Bill and they took him somewhere right and then we have another one uh, Ray he's wonderful he can't we can't give him enough books he is an avid reader. We just constantly giving him books to read.
0: Mm, nice, nice, nice. Yeah,
1: he, he, he's, he's he, so that's nice to hear. So, crowding in jails. And then we're going to take a break.
0: Can't uh, can't arrest our way out of the, the situations that we're in. Uh, we, we would like to be able to take those individuals who suffer from mental illness, those individuals who suffer uh, from addictions, uh, make sure that they're held accountable for if, if they've committed crimes. But I think that you have to treat the source of, of, of their issues. Uh, and I think that in itself is uh, one of the reasons why we have an overcrowding in jail. Uh, And because I would like for those jail spaces to be for violent offenders and uh, significant misdemeanor uh, uh, crimes.
1: You know, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people that are in jail today used to be in mental health facilities Mm -hmm. 50, 60 years ago, Mm -hmm. and that the mental health facilities were found to be wanting in their care that they were giving to people. So Mm -hmm. they closed them, which seemed like a good idea because they weren't really um, up to code. Mm -hmm. But what it did was it threw a lot of mentally ill people into jails with violent criminals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how to ever get that back.
0: Uh, It's a monster of a problem. Uh, Barry Hyde in in our city, uh, in in the county, has has come up with an initiative. I think he has an institution uh, with 16 beds that allows uh, individuals to go there and receive, I think, like a 48, 72-hour observation period to try to get those individuals back on their medications to get them back in line, and we hope that that will help.
1: So if you're homeless and you go to Barry's, you can get your medication and you can take that with you out onto the streets? That,
0: That is my understanding, yes. Rather well, than taking wonderful. those individuals to jail uh, for for minor offenses.
1: Or locking them up in a rehab or somewhere. Right. So they can actually be given medication to keep them functioning, even if they are on to the
0: get street. keep them back on track, yes.
1: That's good to know. I didn't know that. Chief Buckner can't imagine being a police officer. It is intoxicatingly powerful. And the car... And the gun and all the toys and the gadgets there was a time i thought my husband was going to become a police officer and i did exactly what you said in the last break and i said well i will not marry you and i just know i could not do that but i think every little boy wants to be a police officer in some little small way most men want to be police officers and play with all that stuff it is very intoxicating. How do you manage the power and the stressfulness of it? Well, you know, for,
0: for my chair, I, I think that you have to uh, humble yourself. Uh, I think you should see it as, as an opportunity to serve. Uh, and the power also comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility. Uh, you know, the, the decisions that you make That uh, in our agency, there's roughly 750 employees and 200,000 citizens who are counting on you to do the right thing. Uh, and there's also a significant spotlight that you're under the any and everything that you do is going to be second-guessed or uh, judged by others uh, who have not walked in your shoes. So uh, you have to understand that power, uh, use it for good, uh, and make it sure at the end uh, of your role that you will be able to look your maker in the eye and say that you did the best uh, of your abilities and that you tried to do it the right way.
1: So it's a higher power thing.
0: For me it is. I, I feel like that I'm doing uh, what I was designed to do.
1: I feel like you could hardly be a police officer if you didn't believe in a higher power.
0: I think you have to. Uh I think it uh, it certainly helps for any occupation, but I, I think that law enforcement is one that you you certainly have to be anchored uh in some sort of um um I don't I don't know what I would call it, but but you subscribe to some sort of higher being.
1: It is one of the hardest jobs and one of the most least appreciated jobs. It seems like there is.
0: Well, I think that uh the, the silent majority of people appreciate and respect uh, police. The problem is, is they're silent. Uh, 10% of the, of the population, I think, will always be adversarial with police. The other 10% will, will blindly support the police. But I think that 80% of our public is able to look at fact from fiction and fluff, uh, make an intelligent, ob- objective observation of what has occurred. Uh, they'll expect you to be held accountable if you were wrong, and they'll support you when you were right, even when it doesn't look right.
1: Even the social isolation of being a police officer is troubling. It would be troubling to me. I have a police officer that I know, and his name's Scotty, and he's in my phone. as Scotty the cop. Mm -hmm. And one day I asked him to a party up in Dreamland Ballroom, and he said, Oh, Carrie, we have a saying down at the police station. A policeman at a party is like a turd in a punch ball.
0: Mm. I'm an, have you heard uh, that? I have, and uh, I'm an outgoing introvert. Uh, I can be the life of the party, but I prefer a desert island. Uh, so I know what Scotty means in that uh, for, for the the stress that I have to manage on a daily basis when I'm on my time, uh, I kind of want to be left alone.
1: Well, when he said that, I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah, don't come to the party. Yeah. So that seemed isolating to me. So uh, let's talk about the witness participation How are you going to do your job if you don't get witnesses?
0: We have to have that. Uh, One of the things that we struggle with, uh, particularly in witnesses in violent crime situations, uh, and even the victims uh, in in some of those, for most of our shootings, which we have a low uh, clearance rate for for our shootings because... What does that mean? the victims of a shooting if, if someone has, has used a firearm and, and shot you uh, the, the vast majority i would say 90 plus percent of them when you go and talk to the victim of the shooting they want nothing to do with the police uh, and they want nothing to do to help you with the investigation to find their shooter now we do a lot better job with our homicide cases i think because you have a death there but uh, it's frustrating for us but but there's also another side of that coin that i understand the concern and fear that some people have of some sort of retaliation against them which is why we we have a number of different anonymous uh, avenues that you can provide information to still be a participant in, in public safety.
1: And what are those? A phone calls?
0: Phone calls or you can send a How text message. How do you find message. those phone you, numbers? You can get a, uh, just go online to, to Little Rock uh, Police Facebook. You can go at, uh, at, uh, at LR Police on our Twitter. You can call and leave a message at the Major Crimes uh, uh, Division. You can call headquarters and leave information without leaving your name. You can call into 911 uh, dispatch. We would prefer that you call the non-emergency number for that. What's but that? The, uh, but there are so many different avenues uh, that you have that you can actually call and give information. The non-emergency number is. Uh,
1: oh, it's not 911. It's no, a, it's not. It's, oh, I'm that's sorry. That's the emergency. Oh, okay. well, you don't have to. He's on his phone looking it up. You don't it have is, everything uh, memorized. Three
0: three seven one four eight two nine and three seven one four four two three.
1: And those are the numbers that you can call
0: for non-emergency uh, calls for a service for police or to provide information.
1: And so, anybody listening out there, uh, we'll put those numbers up on our website if you want. If you've if you've been you know feeling guilty because you haven't confessed all of your what you know to somebody, here's an anonymous way for you to do that and to help help our police officers who you know. Gosh, what would we do without y'all? So medical marijuana, what's it mean to our city?
0: Well, uh, I was against uh, the um, American marijuana. Uh, I I certainly understand and can appreciate that there are some individuals who suffer from certain medical conditions to where that uh, is very comforting for them. And I think that there's a way to to allow the medical profession to be able to provide uh, that same comfort with with that drug through that avenue. Uh, I'm not a fan of legalizing marijuana. Uh, I've been in Little Rock for a little over three and uh, approaching three and a half years, and I've discovered 99 problems, none of which that would be solved with marijuana.
1: But it would solve overcrowding in jails, maybe.
0: Uh, I don't think so because I, I see marijuana as a gateway drug, uh, and I and I believe that it will lead to uh, other drugs that 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 are, are more harsh. Uh, that in w- many of those individuals who are engaged uh, in criminal activity are trying to feed a drug habit
1: so you think that if you so I see what you're saying you think it would just lead to more drug problems in? I think so and Heroin is the new drug of choice, right? Heroin, uh, um,
0: for the most part, the, what we're seeing now, uh, which has which changed the demographics, heroin now has taken up our former pill users. Uh, uh, law enforcement did a great job of working with the medical profession to closing the gaps uh, on the, the pill epidemic. Uh, as a result of doing that, people still wanted that opiate. Um, heroin is very cheap and very accessible. Uh, and has also resulted in some non-traditional uh, individuals coming up on the, the crime uh, map, and, and particularly suburban white females uh, that, uh, who come from middle class or upper uh, echelon kind of uh, backgrounds uh, that are now hooked on heroin. Really? Yes.
1: Where does heroin come from? Is it grown in the, it's not a lot grown of it, in the United States? A lot of it States. comes
0: from Mexico uh, with, with, the, with, with many of our, our other drug issues, but uh, you, you can just about get heroin anywhere. If, if you're looking for something, you can find it.
1: Someone told me that uh, heroin came from Afghanistan. Is that true?
0: No. Well, I'm sure that they have the, their share of it. I know that some of the Middle Eastern countries uh, certainly have issues with that as well.
1: So profiling is... Um, part of police work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have classes on profiling, but Black Lives Matter is another issue. Can you speak to that?
0: I look at Black Lives Matter the same way that I want the the, the uh, people to look at the police department. I I think that Black Lives Matter uh, has certainly a place in our society. There are not a lot of police who would probably agree with me on that because of some of the rhetoric and and, and negative perceptions that have been put out as a result of those two organizations being law enforcement and Black Lives Matters. I don't think that everyone in Black Lives Matters is a bad person, nor do I believe that everyone in Black Lives Matter uh, is anti-police. I think that there are some extreme individuals who are criminal-minded or who want to hijack that cause for their own personal agendas. Uh, But I think that some of the conversations that Black Lives Matters are raising are legitimate concerns, legitimate things that law enforcement Needs to look in the mirror to see uh, if we're doing or continuing to do these things to harm our black uh, and brown communities uh, and i think that when we do that uh, you uh, gain the respect of intelligent people if you're willing to admit uh, that we have caused harm uh, we have been wrong in some situations so i don't want to broad brush uh, black lives matter nor do i want people broad brushing an entire police department for the actions of an, of an a single officer
1: do you feel like the media's mentality, if it bleeds, it leads, is feeding into some of these animosity between the two groups?
0: Well, uh, I, I've been in this business uh, for, for 25 years, approaching 25 years, and I understand that media is a business. And uh, if, if, if it bleeds, it leads. is based upon sound business principles. Uh, they will tell you that if they post a positive story of us uh, walk, walking with Girl Scouts, handing out cookies, you may get 10... Uh, responses to that on Facebook. Uh, But if you show a shooting or where police have been engaged in an officer-involved misconduct or something, you may get 10,000 hits on that. Uh, So if you're in the business of media, you're going to go where you're getting your customers. Uh, So I understand that. So my job is to try to make sure that we as an agency are not doing things Uh, to put ourselves in a negative situation to where the media has to report on those kinds of things. But I also think that they have a responsibility to try to be balanced in how they go about delivering the news.
1: You're the most level-headed person I think I've ever met in my life.
0: Well, it comes with a lot of bumps and bruises that I've had, and I certainly have made mistakes and continue to make them uh, to this day. But I I think the longer that you sit in uh, the kinds of seats that I have, the the broader that your um, uh, views of things become. Because there's usually uh, a a right and a wrong, and then the truth is usually somewhere in the middle.
1: I believe the wiser you get, the broader your views get. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Have you ever been shot?
0: No, I have not.
1: Wow. Look, he's knocking on wood over here. I think that's tweetable. The wiser you get, the broader your view gets. That's that's a Kenton Buckner tweetable moment, I think. Um, what do you do in the case you're, if you're assaulted?
0: If, if police assault, assault? No, I'm
1: sorry. If I'm assaulted. I'm a woman and I'm about to get, because um, most of the crime's against women. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and I'm about to get abducted and thrown into a car, what should I do?
0: First thing I, I would want to do is make as much noise as you possibly can to catch the attention of, of potential witnesses. Uh, if they are successful in abducting you, at least they can get some kind of description of the, the assailant or the vehicle that they were in. Uh, you want to try to do as many things as you can to disrupt that individual, uh, you know, gouging of the eyes uh, and the groin area, whatever you try to, get to do to delay them actually picking you up. Uh, make sure that uh, when you go places, let people know where you're going, if you're going by yourself in certain areas. Uh, use good common sense uh, about doing things. Uh, again, I believe our overall our city is safe, but there, there are some places that I would say you, you need to use more precaution, particularly at night or something that's not well lit, or an area that you're not familiar with. Uh, but uh, you know those kinds of things don't happen very often in our community, but they're certainly possible.
1: You should uh, You should never get in the car at all, at all costs. Is that right? Because you create two crime scenes.
0: You do. And, and then another one is the, the whole thing about your drinks uh, in a social environment. You know, don't leave your drinks with individuals or set them down because, you know, people will take advantage of that uh, and be able to put something in your drink, which is a very common uh, uh, thing, for, particularly for, for the younger folks. When you talk about that college crowd of a lot of uh, date rape type of things. Really? Yes.
1: Uh, so you don't ever want to get in the car with somebody right and another police officer told me one time that you forget to breathe
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
1: that when you forget to breathe that the first thing you should think of or that they're trained is to think is to think of your breath and Mm -hmm. to be sure and breathe because if you get shortness of breath you get tunnel vision
0: it affects your thinking it does
1: and so if you get accosted you should breathe
0: Mm -hmm. And cell phones are are a good thing to have with you There's a lot of technology out there That if someone goes missing uh, Provided that phone uh, still with that individual Or if you can uh, put out Some sort of beacon or something with that Then we would stand a higher percentage chance Of being able to locate you
1: Because once you get in the car
0: Your survival percentages Go significantly down
1: That's a terrible thing Um, I got a Text that says how effective are the body cams that police are required to wear?
0: Obviously, uh, Little Rock PD is is not a body wearing a body camera wearing uh, agency. We, we have certainly researched a, a number of those and, and taken a look to see what that would look like in in our agency. Uh, they are effective. I, I think uh, that more often than not. Uh, they show that police have done what they are prof- professionally supposed to do. Uh, they've also illuminated some bad cops. So I, I think that overall it's an effective tool. I think that overall uh, it's good for both the po- uh, community and the police department uh, to have that. And uh, I think that most agencies that have it are, are happy with the
1: success that they've had with it. And that's body cams. Yes. I think about all the cameras that are around on the street the and stuff. And, yes. And No, not the phones. The ones that are up on the... Buildings that are oh, yes. looking. Yes. Does that help?
0: It does help. And one of the most recent examples that we could use is the Boston Marathon. Uh, if you remember, it was the camera footage from many of the businesses in the downtown that captured these individuals to show them in the different locations that they were. So that's uh, an example of where the community's network helped law enforcement uh, during a very critical time doing an investigation. There
1: is such a balance between your personal privacy and law enforcement mm-hmm. or your safety. I mean, it's personal privacy versus safety. Well, all we the give time. up a
0: little personal safety for. Public safety, and uh, I think that most people you know, will agree with that, provided that it's done uh, in, in a uh, legal uh, way of, uh, of doing so. There are probably some ACLU folks who probably don't think we should have as many cameras as we do.
1: There absolutely uh, are.
0: But, but uh, I, I think that there's a reasonable and, and a balanced way of, of providing that.
1: Do you come from a military background? I do not. Do most of the police officers come from a military background? Uh, I'd say maybe
0: 10 to 15 percent of our, our folks probably have some kind of a military background. That's all. Mm-hmm.
1: So, if a young man wants to go into, uh, wants to become a policeman and go into law enforcement, what should they do at a young age?
0: Uh, stay out of trouble, uh, get, get connected with a police officer, uh, make good decisions uh, in, in your youthful years uh, as it relates to drugs, the type of people that you hang out with. Uh, there's a very extensive background that's done on anyone. You, Uh, that's in the uh, application process for the police department. Uh, Go to college, I would recommend that that you uh, get a college degree before coming to the police department. I think it prepares you to be better uh, suited to uh, have a productive police career and also prepare you for post law enforcement career so that you have uh, uh, more options uh, available to you uh, and find a police officer that you respect and kind of use them as a mentor and, ca- and kind of a buddy system to talk to about some of the questions that you have about the profession.
1: Is that what you did?
0: I did. I knew I knew some folks uh, uh, from uh, in, in my community through an Explorer program and then also through Boy Scouts that I was able to connect with uh, several individuals within the police. So Department. Let's say
1: you don't know anybody in your family mm-hmm. that's in the that's in the law enforcement. So do you do they do they should they go to boy should they become a Boy Scout? Should boy they? Scouts
0: is a great organization. I'm on their executive board for the uh, the state of Arkansas. Uh, we also have citizens police academies that, that we offer three or four uh, a year.
1: Is that on your website?
0: It's on our website uh, when we when we offer those. Uh, we've had uh, I, I believe two or three already this year. What we, age? Um, I can't remember the age requirement, but we've done one for youth before. Uh, We did one for deaf and hard of hearing. We've done one for Latinos. We've done one for women. Uh, we've, uh, We've done one uh, for just, we do general uh, police academies. Any of the ones that have a special interest to them, anyone is still welcome to come. They'll just be like the one we did for Hispanics, it was done in Spanish. Uh, but uh, we have a number of different avenues for you to interact uh, with the police. And uh, we also recently started a telephone reporting slash cadet program that allows young 18-year-old individuals to join uh, and work in a civilian capacity, taking reports over the phone, and then also have some cadet hours that you do b- until you turn 21.
1: So you could be in the, it's its, it's, like, uh, it's like if you want to be in the theater, you don't have to be an actor, you can be behind the scenes. So if you want to be That's a right. police officer, you don't have to be on the beat. Uh, you well, be all of our
0: officers start out uh, as a as a uniform uh, a patrol officer but, but there are several different avenues uh, that you can do in the police department once you have the time uh, and there are a number of different civilian capacities to your point uh, that give you an opportunity to work for a police department
1: does the police department pay for any college education
0: we offer tuition reimbursement uh, right now that's about $1500 a year that you can receive about today's standard that's probably going to get you a class uh, but it's better than nothing and uh, but but there are certainly a number of programs out there that will take the hours that you uh, obtain doing your 24-week academy and give you college credit for some of those so you're not starting out from zero.
1: Oh, that's nice mm-hmm. to hear. Um, you're a part of Big Brother and Big Sisters. Why?
0: Uh, that was in Louisville. I uh, got a young man when he was 10, and uh, when I left there, he was uh, right, right, approaching uh, 15 or so. Uh, and I actually did it for balance uh, because uh, kind of a workaholic and wanted to do something uh productive to work with a young man and growing up without a father I knew the the value of having a positive male role model so that was uh the reason I did and I enjoyed it and i anyone that wants to get involved in something constructive uh big brothers big sisters is a great uh evidence-based organization that does a good job with with young people
1: and you mean evidence-based because they get they get results
0: they get results and they and they document their results and the reason I say that is there are a lot of people who come under the disguise of a do-gooder who uh, are what I would call poverty pirates. Uh, They sound like they're trying to do something good uh, through some sort of nonprofit, but uh, they they have nothing to show for it other than the money that they've collected and put in their own pockets.
1: Poverty pirates. Let's tweet out poverty pirates. Look out for them. So you want to be (laughs) evidence-based. Kenton Buckner, it has been such an honor. I hope you'll come back because we could talk again. So since I own Flag and Banner, this is what you're getting. It's a U.S. flag for your desk. It's a desk set, and that's a U.S. flag. Always and in Arkansas. the middle
0: like it's supposed to be. That's
1: right. And the Arkansas, and guess what that is? State of Kentucky. It sure is. That's Iceland. where. You, yeah. <laughs> I made him laugh. It's yes, thick that's a little nice. bit. it's yes, that's nice. I like that. I thought you might. I yes. wanted to give you the blue, what's it called, Tim? The, blue the li- thin blue line. The thin blue line, which is the police flag. But I like I did the Kentucky in there, though. That's a nice touch. You, listen to, you watch their college football? I do. I'm, a, I'm more of a basketball fan. I, I, I enjoy well, they got a great basketball. Well, that's not, the, that's not the one that's got the great basketball. Did you go to the school that has the no, great basketball? No, I went basketball?
0: to Eastern Kentucky, okay. uh, which is a, uh, about 15 minutes from Lexington, which is where the University of Kentucky But Kentucky's
1: is. a basketball state. It's
0: a basketball state. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, football is something they do to stay in shape for basketball season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that tweet, yeah. too. <laughs> Tim, who's our guest next week?
0: Next week
1: is going to be Kevin Creasy, who Cressy. is doing a monument of Levon Helm. Kevin Cressy. Cressy, Cressy, the artist. So Levon Helm is, was it Woodstock?
0: Yes, he was with the band.
1: Is that who he was with?
0: I believe, He's yes.
1: famous. Well, their family uh, uh, contracted him to make this bust, so... He's doing good. To my listeners, if you have a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up.
0: You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you'd like to hear this program again, next week, go to flagandbanner.com. Click on the tab labeled Radio Show, and there you'll find a podcast with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal, to help you live the American dream.